is that if we invest in that individual, it kind of comes full circle and they will invest in someone else. They will pay it forward. They will support somebody else. You're listening to Further Together, the ORAU podcast. Join Michael Holtz and his guests for conversations about all things ORAU. They'll talk about ORAU's storied history, our impact on an ever-changing world, our innovative scientific and technical solutions for our customers, and our commitment to the communities where we do business. Welcome to Further Together, the ORAU podcast. Well, happy Thanksgiving and welcome to a special episode of Further Together, the ORAU podcast. For the last couple of years, we've done special episodes focused on gratitude and what employees are grateful for every year. We've decided to go in a little bit of a different direction. This year, we're asking our employees to talk about why they serve the communities where they live, the organizations they serve, what drove them, what led them to serve those organizations. Basically, why do they do what they do um, with the time that they're not at work or with their families, et cetera? Really special conversations um, have been had. And I really hope that you'll enjoy this special episode. In addition to that, um, we asked a handful of employees to share with us some things that, that they love about working for the organization. So you'll hear a little bit of that mixed in with this celebration of community service. So enjoy this episode. Have a great Thanksgiving and uh, just enjoy. Thanks. Hey, Alan and Yolanda Hammond. Welcome to Further Together, the ORU podcast, our special Thanksgiving episode where we are talking about all things giving back to the community. Um, Kay and Yolanda, tell us first, who are you? Well, um, I'm Kay Allen. I work in OGS and uh, I work on the business side for quality and compliance. Excellent. And I'm Yolanda Hammond, and I work in audit services, so I am covering all of ORAU, ODS, and ORIs, and I've been at ORAU nine years. Excellent. So tell me about the organization that you volunteer for. Well, we uh, volunteer for Volunteer Income Tax Assistance, which is VITA, which amazingly, is a federal agency, Um, and we uh, do taxes for people who are low income, the elderly, um, people who need, who have disabilities, and so we prepare about 380 to 400 taxes per year and file them electronically for those people. Individually or together, you do that many taxes? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's a lot of tax applications. Together. <laughs> Together, okay. <laughs> I mean, with, still... with the help of friends and family okay. um, that are also trained. Holy smokes. Um, and it's such a necessary service, right? Because you're helping underrepresented um, folks get their taxes done, which is really important. And we do that in several different counties. We do it in Knox County, Blunt County, and Cock County, which is a little bit more remote. But um, and you know, people come from different counties to our 
roving locations. So we work out of the trunk of our car, but because uh, <laughs> all the stuff is uh, very sensitive, we have to carry it in every time we come home and of course work it at home to finish right. it. Right. So what Kay's not giving you is the background on uh, the history, how it got started. Well, um, I was actually just going to ask you how you were involved. <laughs> so Yolanda, if you will, tell me the history. Well, she can give you the probably the exact day, moment that it occurred to her, but Kay began this ministry to the community over 15 years ago. Uh, she was working at another company and um, engaging with them in an audit role, but decided she wanted to provide some benefit to the employees of that company and um, having a background in accounting and a desire to help uh, chose tax preparation. And at that time she brought it to her management and said, what if I prepare taxes and do it on site? It'll be free to employees. I just need some space so that I can engage them. And this will be another benefit of being an employee of that company. So she began there. And as she transitioned to different companies before she got to ORU, she continued that ministry, even at the initial uh, site where she started. So that's how we ended up in different counties because the company she worked for actually was located in different counties. And she would travel to those different like offsite locations and prepare taxes. So she had done that a year or more. And uh, I began, she asked me because I love numbers and um, I, I feel so blessed to have been included in her ministry. And I started out being a volunteer in terms of welcoming people, um, you know, getting them organized, making sure they had the paperwork, welcoming them. And uh, so after I did that for a bit, she said, why don't you prepare taxes too? So um, I stepped out and um, began that endeavor a little, I was very nervous, um, but began preparing taxes. And um, I've not looked back and I've been so thankful to be a part of it because when you're preparing taxes for people, that's something most people are very nervous about. But then because Kay has had this ministry for so long, there's so many people that we've uh, seen their families change, some grow, some losses. It, it, you learn names, they learn you you know, you can connect. So it, it's just been amazing. Nothing I ever would have thought would have come out of, you know, tax preparation. Right. So you really do build relationships with the people that you're serving. We do. And um, sometimes you don't remember their names, sure. but you remember their situations. So um, like we have people that we, we nickname lovely names okay. so there was uh one person the first time they came they were in retirement and they had like 15 1099 documents so it's like having 15 w-2s sure. and so i was it was exhausting to get all that correct so every time i see him i call him 1099 man and he's very elderly now but he just loves that i know who he is and he jokes with us um and it, it's just it's just really nice to get to know. And especially for me, 
we she said we went through all these life changes with these people mm -hmm. well there are so many that have had spouses that pass away and when they come to us the next year you know they want us to know because we're kind of part of their family and then there's the the delicate part of you know you have to have the date of death and all that stuff and we're just there to minister to them and encourage them. We've also had people who've gone through traumatic divorces mm -hmm. and they've never had to deal with the financial side. And just to be able to encourage them and tell them that they can do this, um, maybe tell them about other services, different places. Maybe they need a, a counselor and we can encourage them to do that and tell them that we've had other people that have been in the situation and to see them two years later and how they've grown and just, it, it's just a blessing to see people encouraged by things that are so scary because, you know, they can get a letter from the IRS and people with a really good education can't even read the document. They just call me and say, I, I got a letter from the IRS. And you're like, can you tell me what it says? I, right. I, you know, it's just very it's a it's a very concerning time for them. And we Absolutely. can reassure them. Absolutely. Well, I love this. Thank you both for sharing. If if now, granted, I am not a numbers person. Numbers is a foreign language to me. Um, but if someone wanted to get involved um, in Vita, how could they do that? Well, so they have to go through some training, okay. but it, you don't have to be a numbers person because like Yolanda said, she started out as a volunteer. So okay. if you can say, hello, how are you? Fill out this form and can you put your documents in order? as best you can. That gotcha. is the main thing, just a little bit of crowd control. Mm -hmm. And we can't take on too many at once because it gets a little too much. Right, right. <laughs> but a, an occasional person each year, we could possibly take on. Okay. If awesome. they want to learn more, they can go mm -hmm. to the IRS website, irs.gov, and okay. put in a search for VITA, and it'll give people more information about what the program is about and what the expectations are. And, uh, you know, it's not just KL and Roving site. It is if they're in a different county, um, they can find people or organizations who are preparing there if they're you know looking for something more local for to service their community or they can also you know speak to other people just here's that resource hey did you know there are vital locations in our, in you know our area that you can go to so that that's another way that they can help even if they don't feel comfortable you know getting the training and participating in a program awesome Thank you both so much for sharing about this vital and necessary ministry. I mean, it really and truly is a ministry. Thank you for the work that you do and for sharing um, and letting people know how to find you if they need you. Thank you. Happy Thank Thanksgiving. You. Happy Thanksgiving. Bye. Bye. Hello, my name is Kathy Rollo and I support the ORISE Independent Environmental Assessment and Verification Program. And I work in environment and ecology for OGS, mostly supporting the uh, NOAA Air Resources Laboratory. Um, ORU means so much to me professionally and personally. 
Um, I, I, I tell people all the time how much it means to me that I, I never have a day where I ever have to face anybody I don't want to deal with. We are just uniquely kind and just such a great group of people that I've shared so many life experiences with that supported me during bad times and helped me advance my career and learn how I could really stretch myself. It's just an incredible place to be surrounded by wonderful people. Well, I think, you know, since, um, since we've been, um, founded as an organization in the heart of Oak Ridge and have been so, um, for decades, since 1946, we've been part of the Oak Ridge community. Um, our, our employees have, have grown up uh, basically in this city or in the surrounding area. You know, they have family and friends and neighbors and um, associates that all live in and around here. And so part of our uh, being a public servant, because that is what uh, Oak Ridge Associated Universities does is a public servant to the American public. You know, we provide um, programs and initiatives that help the public good. Part of that is, you know, making sure that that reaches our local community, our neighbors, our friends, our associates, um, you know, those that are, you know, part of our family, um, either directly or indirectly. And that's why I think being a good corporate citizen and ensuring we are always giving back um, not only makes good business sense, but also um, uh, endears us as a um, permanent partner as part of the community. I, I would like for the Oak Ridge community to think that, you know, how would we ever um, you know, lose or you as, as, a, as a partner? What they couldn't imagine the Oak Ridge community or the local community without Oak Ridge Associated Universities. I never want to um, that to be some scenario that uh, they would contemplate that that would be acceptable, you know. Um, and so that's why all the various different programs that either we sponsor as a corporation or because of the great um, uh, public service volunteerism within our employees, you know, they come up with things of their own uh, that they want us to sponsor um, is all what, you know, makes us a great organization. And I think it's a really part uh, of our very diverse and excellent culture, um, our, our uh, business culture, you know, uh, just the culture of, you know, taking care of one another, taking care of ourselves, taking care of one another. It, 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 it emphasizes that um, in such a way that we carry that motto out in a very practical and realistic and visible way, you know, in the community. So um, that's how I kind of feel about it. Andy, any particular organizations that you serve personally or that you are personally grateful for? Yeah, so um, uh, I have, you know, personally served on, you know, the uh, Oak Ridge Public Educational School Foundation Board for you know a number of years because I truly believe in uh, advancing STEM education in the K through 12 um, area. Um, I, I've served on the executive and still do serve on the executive committee and the and the board for ETEC, the East Tennessee Economic Council, um, because I believe in economic development is an important uh, aspect of my role as the CEO and for the organization. 
I serve as a institutional liaison to the Tennessee Valley Quarter because I want to see that economic development spread just beyond the Oak Ridge area. I'm going to see it, um, you know, up and down the Appalachian Corridor and why we're such a good partner with the Appalachian Regional Commission and ensuring that, you know, economic development and uh, providing workforce development solutions and training um, to all aspects of um, people who live in the 13 Appalachian states is, is something that um, is, in, is important to me. Um, so I, I have basically prioritized um, my time on these boards to advance, you know, workforce development, to advance economic development, um, which I feel very passionate about, and also because um, our mission of advancing science and education, I think, is an important thing for me to carry out in terms of my role and responsibilities as well. Of course, we just heard Andy Pam talk about the value of ORU being a good corporate citizen. Um, from a you know from a communications and marketing perspective, why is it important for us to project? good corporate citizenship, but also, you know, to have the support of our employees volunteering and supporting organizations in their communities and really around the country, depending on what we do. It's just the right thing to do. Um, you know, our our employees are, you know, they have special interests. They have things that have affected their families or themselves, um, whether it be diabetes or cancer or um, hunger, you know, as a mother and a grandmother, the thought of my child or my grandchild being hungry or not having a, a warm bed to sleep in, um, not having the medical care that they need, um, that's, that's heart-wrenching, you know? So for ORAU to be a corporate good corporate citizen, it's just the right thing to do. Um, but also I found over the years as being a part of a community relations committee, if, if I have an employee who is passionate, passionate about juvenile diabetes or passionate about the free medical clinic in Oak Ridge, if we can find some money to contribute to that organization, that employee is going to take that money and it's going to grow exponentially. So um, I have an employee, for example, who's very passionate about cancer. And guess what? That employee <laughs> grows. I wonder who that is, Michael Holtz. wonder who that um, is. <laughs> you know, all of a sudden, instead of one person walking in the cancer walk to raise money, there's 25 people walking in the cancer walk. Or the $5,000 that we've given becomes 10000 or $20,000. Um, because we're we're working with those employees and supporting their passion, supporting the community, um, and working to to take care of our community. We are very very blessed. You know, we've always in all the years I've worked with ORU, we've had great health insurance. We've had I've never had to worry about buying medicine for my children, or right. taking my children to the doctor, or go into the grocery store and buying what we need to make sure that they're well-fed. Um, so we're very, very blessed, um, but not everybody 
in our, in our communities are. The other thing I've kind of seen over the years is that is that if we invest in that individual, it kind of comes full circle and they will invest in someone else. They will pay it forward. They will support somebody else. I'm on the board for Habitat for Humanity. Uh, and at one of the recent board meetings, I'm sitting at a table just talking to this woman that I don't think I know, but it turns out I do. I helped build her Habitat house in the early 2000s. And, and she said, oh, worry. she said, oh, worry, you helped build my house. And I said, I was there on the Saturday that we framed it. And I said, you and I sat in your kitchen and had the first meal in your kitchen while your house was under construction. And we laughed and we joked about it. And she is now serving on the board for Habitat for Humanity. And she is serving others and she has helped guiding others. Her kids have gone on and, you know, and have grown up and, you know, have jobs now and things like that. It's interesting to see how we gave her that foundation to raise her two boys. And now they're doing well and she is serving others. Um, so that's the other piece of the puzzle that I just love is seeing things kind of come full circle. Hey, Michael, this is Wendy West. Hey, what I like most about working for ORAU is just the flexibility uh, where I'm able to live my life and, you know, make a difference in my career. I love the people and I really love working on the mission that we have at ORAU. The, the types of programs that we run and the work we do, I feel like it is valuable uh, to our country. Um, so that's what I love about working at ORAU. <clears throat> Probably my proudest moment working at ORAU is pulling together the ORAS Impact Book. Uh, I did that several years back prior to the last uh, ORAS Recompete and I just really enjoyed walking through history and seeing all the neat things that we've been involved in as a company and uh, impacted along the way uh, from 9-11 and, you know, nas setting up national security programs following that uh, to some of the early things that we did in cytogenetics and uh, worker health. Uh, certainly STEM education. We were doing STEM education programs before STEM was even popular or a concept. Um, so that's been pretty cool to be a part of. How ORAU has impacted my career and my life. It's, it's provided for my family. I've made some wonderful friends uh, down through the years and really ORAU is a second family to me. And um, it has just provided for my life in, in so many ways and challenged me in my career. Um, I've absolutely loved working at ORAU, and I'm in my 20th year here. So, And what I would say to the ORAU workers of the future is to just not get wrapped up in, you know, profit and commercial enterprise and things like that, but stay true to what the mission of ORAU is and, you know, the value of the, the services and the capabilities that we provide to our country 
it really hit on those um, you know critical needs that our country faces if if ORAU can stay true to its mission um, it has many many years to make impact into the future and workers will only find new and important ways to give back to our country as new critical needs emerge. Um, so that's what I would say to the workers of the future. Well, hi, thanks for having me on. My name is Patsy Pearson and I'm the Director of Financial Operations and I've been at ORU for 22 years. Excellent. Um, we're talking, um, we've changed things up a little bit for this year's Thanksgiving episode and I'm asking employees who are doing volunteer work in their communities about the organizations they serve and why. So that's why you're here. Thank you for for coming on. But tell me about the organization or organizations, as the case may be, that you serve and how you got involved. Well, the organization that I like to help is Project Linus. And um, Project at Project Linus is a group that um, makes and delivers homemade blankets to children in need, whether uh, children have been traumatized, whether they've been taken from their home, if there was an event at the school, their house burned down, um, all kinds of um, events that could happen in a child's life. And so a group gets together and there is about 350 chapters across the nation. And I help out the uh, group in um, Project Linus of East Tennessee. And the way I got involved was um, usually a group of church ladies. We get together and, and we work on crafts and, and, and projects and things like that. And, and the representative from Project Linus came and talked to our group, talked about what the group did showed us a video about um, how they've helped children. And that kind of piqued my interest. And so I started um, going to their meetings and started to learn more about them and helped out where I could in making quilts. Do you have any idea at this point how many quilts you've been part of creating for children? Well, me personally, I've probably done about 15. Okay. Uh, but the whole chapter, they uh, to date, they've delivered about 25,000. Oh, my goodness. That's incredible. And what a great, great project to get involved in to help children who are, you know, facing traumatic events and, and challenges in their lives for various reasons. Um, what a really lovely thing to do. Um, how often do you and the, and the folks in your chapter get together? Well, the group has a chapter meeting uh, once a month, okay. so you can get you can get together, and they have um, skilled uh, women there that know how to sew, and they um, give you tips and hints. Um, they also accept your donations at that time. Okay. Um, they also have some fabric that's been donated that you could pick up, take it home, and, and use it to to make another quilt. And um, so there's a lot of resources that are available there. So. Patsy, if folks want to get involved in Project Linus, how would they go about doing that? Well, you could call me, but the best way to do it is they do have a website, okay. uh, Project Linus of East Tennessee. And you could go online, um, find out when their next meeting is. And so not only do they need blankets and 
um, donations of fabric, donations of supplies. They do accept donations of money because oh. a lot of times they have to um, mail out these blankets to remote places. Like if there's a, a school shooting, uh, they make sure uh, nationwide that every student at the school gets a blanket. Wow. And so our chapter gets involved regardless across the nation where that event may have happened. And so there is a cost involved to ship things. So they sure. accept money as well as fabric, sewing supplies, things like that, your support. Awesome. Patsy Pearson, thank you so much for coming on and sharing about Project Linus. I really appreciate that. You're welcome. Thanks, Michael. Uh, I'm Wanda Gamble, Chief Business Development Officer for ORAU, uh, leading our business development uh, and growth strategy. Uh, I've been on board for about four years, and the organization I support uh, is Meals on Wheels with the local uh, area on aging team called Home Delivery Meals. Okay. And I've always supported financially Meals on Wheels and have done so for many years. And about four or five years ago, um, I noticed that in my own uh, area, my own county, uh, there was a need for volunteers to literally deliver the meals. And it's been um, just a, a, in fact, quite frankly, an uplifting thing for me uh, to see the resilience in, in the seniors. I have about 14 or 15 clients on average. It takes me usually about an hour and a half, maybe two hours to drive the route uh, to drop off. Uh, and we only had about seven or eight months where we didn't do it during the height of COVID okay. uh, for safety. They'd only allow the staff to do it. But then once we came back, uh, we were masked and gloved up and we still obviously uh, practice those protocols. And they also asked us to be vaccinated wow. uh, so because we are dealing with a very vulnerable population. And it just it's fun to talk with them. You only have a few minutes, you know, to talk with them, but sure. sometimes we're the only people they see, you mm -hmm. know, during mm -hmm. the day. And, and, and even more importantly, it's, it's two good meals they get. We deliver a hot meal and a cold meal. Okay. And this is done five days a week uh, with the exception of holidays and the weekends. And again, there's some of the people um, with only people they see. I take Symbol with me sometimes because they love the doggy and he loves the attention, quite frankly. Sure. And uh, it's just a lot of fun um, uh, for me. I've met some very interesting people. The only downside is that we we lose people uh, literally over the course of this year. Uh, four of the seniors on my route have passed away oh. and we got really wonderful notes you know, from their family, thanking us for uh, delivering the meals and offering that just joy uh, each day uh, with those respective seniors. So I take my lunch hour, you know, I go do uh, deliver meals. I have a one, you know, there are four routes. I do route two. Okay. And, uh, it's just been uh, very uplifting. And I always think about my own parents who fortunately I'm still, uh, I still have, and I'm 800 and some miles away from them. And uh, I always hope that that karma you know, when I only come back to have someone treat my parents, uh, you know, nicely and with care, but even me as I get older, you know, that someone will return the favor and treat me with that kind of care. So that's why I'm engaged. That's why I do it. Awesome. Wanda, do you drive every day or is it once a week? Is it uh, once a week uh, once on a week, yeah. Thursdays? Yeah. In fact, okay. today is my day. So after I Lots. get off this call, I'll be, <laughs> so you can go. I'll be running over to the uh, senior citizen uh, center is where we pick up our meals and our 
load them up in the car and off we go. Awesome. And for folks who don't know, you are in the Washington, D.C. area. So that is correct. Yeah. Yes. So, But I know there are mobile meals, meals on wheels. All over the country, in every city and county. Yes. So if you want to get involved, in all likelihood, check for, check with your area office on aging. Yes. Because um, often they're the ones leading the charge on yes. that program. So if that's something you'd like to do, follow Wanda's example. <laughs> and I know, you know, it. I love the program too because I think of, um, you know, my in-laws and and you know, hoping that someone spends time with them on a regular basis. So yeah. So thank you so much for sharing what you do, um, and happy Thanksgiving, Wanda. Thank you, and happy Thanksgiving to you and to all of you. Hey, Michael. This is Frank Pastor, and I work with the business development team at ORAU. What do I like most about working for ORU? The people, my boss, my colleagues, all the great folks that I get to share highs and lows with on a daily basis. What's my proudest moment working at ORU? Bringing NPP back to where it belongs, playing a small part on a great team to bring that contract home. How has working for ORU impacted my career and life? It's made me realize that there are still great people out there that you can work with and still get paid and have a good time doing it. And what would you say to ORU workers of the future? Come on in, the water's just fine. Thanks. All right, Elaine Husky, welcome Hi. to Work Together. Thank you. Good morning. Um, I am a health technician with the National Supplemental Screening Program. And I have been there for 13 and a half years. And Elaine, you are in Arvada, Colorado office. I just want folks to know that we are talking to folks all over the country at ORU for this episode. I'm, I actually work remote. I live in Montana. Oh, you live in Montana. Well, there you go. Even further. Yeah, I just moved here. I, I moved to Montana the beginning of March. I left the Arvada oh. office and moved to Montana. I got to where in Montana are you? So Dillon. Montana, okay. so southwestern. I'm smack dab in the middle of Idaho Falls and West Yellowstone National Park. That has to be gorgeous, is all I'm saying. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's 27 degrees, but it's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> so Elaine, talk about the organization that you serve. I um, volunteer with Project Healing Waters. Um, we take disabled veterans fly fishing. We teach them fly oh, fishing. Goodness. We take them fishing. Um, we teach them how to build their own fly rods and tie their own flies. Um, we have monthly meetings. We go on big, fun weekend trips. We go on day trips. And, and sometimes we just don't fish at all. We just sit on the bank of the river and talk, or we don't talk. Um, right. It's it's fabulous. Um. I work, I volunteer with one out of Denver right now, still. They um, bring, they bring groups to Montana a lot. Okay. There is a ranch called the Freedom Ranch, very close to me, where you have to be nominated by a mentor to come fish this ranch. It's beautiful and okay. amazing fishing. And they come and they'll stay for four days and meals are cooked and there's entertainment every night. And we just sit and have the best time. And I learn a lot. Um, the program was started at Walter Reed okay, and it's actually now prescribed by most veteran VA hospitals because water is therapy. 
Mm, and just getting out and listening to the water and being in nature is healing. Right. So you get the the um, sky bath, you get the water, you get the, yeah. you know, all of those things. Plus you get the connection. And as you said, you may fish, you may not fish, you may just chat. You may just sit next to a veteran just to be with them, right? I mean, yeah, we've had um, you go through you go through training on how to handle PTSD. You go through how to handle being being quiet. Right. A lot of people don't know how to just be quiet. Um, me being one people, of them. Yes, a lot of um, people. Have, that's a challenge. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> it's difficult, <laughs> um, but it's. It's amazing to just see the relaxation and the calming come over somebody, mm -hmm. um, whether it's their first fish to the net or just their first cast or the conquering the fear of stepping in the water or getting in a boat. Um, it's, it's pretty amazing. I imagine it sounds like there are a lot of first-time experiences for a lot of the veterans that are part of the program not just in the water or in the boat but who makes their own fly fishing rod and you know so ties flies a, and, and those sorts of things right right we've had a lot of veterans come in and go through the the rod building class mm -hmm. and then the fly tying class and they've never once even stepped foot never cast a fly rod never stepped foot in a river but they walk into that with all of their own gear there that they created. Wow. And the feeling of catching your own fish on a rod that you built on a tie that you, on a fly that you tied is you can just conquer anything at that point. It's right. amazing. That sounds like such an incredible program. Elaine, if folks wanted to get involved, um, how might they do that? Whether you're, you know, a volunteer on your side of it or a veteran who might, you know, decide that they want to be part of this program. So Project Healing Waters is in 45 states. And I would say just go online, projecthealingwaters.org, and just say, hey, I'm interested. Awesome. Also, Facebook page, they have mm -hmm. one, and they're very quick to respond. They'll typically give you a five-digit code to text of just say, I want to volunteer, mm -hmm. and somebody will reach right out to you and tell you where their meeting is or where they can go or how to get involved in anything you can even donate your own fishing gear if you don't want to fish anymore you can donate it to project healing waters and somebody will always use it awesome thank you elaine so much for talking about project healing waters what a wonderful program um thank you for sharing and have a happy thanksgiving Thank you. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. My name is Wendy Hill. I work on the NIOSH project. I'm on the administrative support team. And I have been with ORAU for coming up on 12 years. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for sharing that. So we're talking about organizations that we serve, that we're passionate about, that we volunteer for. Um, tell me who you serve and why why you do the volunteer work that you do. Sure. I'm on the board of Helping Paws Animal Network, 
uh, affectionately called HPAN. Absolutely. Um, HPAN is a grassroots nonprofit 501c3 that actually started at ORU in 2011, and then it became an official nonprofit organization in 2013. Um, and we're animal lovers on a mission to assist local East Tennessee nonprofit rescue groups with funds for food, shelter, veterinary services, and other critical needs for animals that are hungry, hurting, or homeless. Awesome. So why, why HPAN? I mean, I, I, on some level, I know it's obvious you're an animal lover. <laughs> HPAN is, is really in the DNA of ORE, but why specifically? Um, well, like you said, I, I'm, I volunteer with HPAN because I love animals and it's heartbreaking to see the needs of, of stray, abandoned and neglected animals right in our backyard. Um, and we really do a lot with uh, helping our local rescues that are right in our backyard. So it's very close to home. And you do a lot with a little. I mean, you know, in terms of helping other rescues and other agencies help the animals they serve with vet bills and infrastructure needs you know I, I think I remember a story of helping with fencing for horses or you know mm -hmm. those sorts of things you know are sort of what HPAN is about yeah I mean most of the most of the rescues um, do a lot of stuff to help but every once in a while they they could use a little financial assistance um, especially when an unexpected critical need arises. Um, so we're happy to help. Um, and by helping the rescue groups, then they can help more animals. So it's it's a great, great relationship. Wendy, if people want to get involved in HPAN, how can they do that? Uh, well, we have lots of ways that people can get involved. Um, HPAN does rely on a lot of our tax deductible donations to fund our vision. Um, during the pandemic or prior to the pandemic, uh, donations received being payroll deduction were an important part of our funding uh, and enabled us to support like three to five animals a month. Unfortunately, turnover has kind of caused that regular funding to dwindle. Uh, so payroll deduction donations now only support about two to three animals a month. Um, we are diligently fundraising through other methods, um, but the easiest way to support HPAN is to sign up for payroll deduction. Uh, you can find that um, HPAN payroll deduction form on the shortcuts form page. Um, you can also get involved just by joining our distribution list by contacting Amparo Intensio. Um, you can get on our distribution list to receive, receive periodic emails about fundraising and other HPAN activities. Um, and everybody is also invited to join our board meetings at noon every Thursday of the month. Um, and if you're interested in any more, um, any more ways, we've got tons of ways to, to help support just with shopping at Kroger or Amazon. You can always go to our website at uh, helpingpawsanimalnetwork.org. Awesome. And I know, too, that uh, every once in a while you'll do an online auction on Facebook. So yeah, we do a lot of those. Look for the Helping Paws Animal Network Facebook page to see um, live and silent auctions. They're a lot of fun. Yes. So. so my name is Katie McCallum, and I'm a compensation analyst, too, here at ORU in HR. And I am going to participate in the 100th episode of Further Together, the ORU podcast. 
So as a compensation analyst, too, for some people, it might seem like a black box. And um, as Christopher Giles would call it, it's voodoo magic. Um, but really, what we do is we review and classify employee PQs. We participate in salary surveys for the entire company. We assist in creating and maintaining the budgets. We assist BD and RFP job pricing. And we perform a lot of data analysis for different compensation projects throughout the year. What I like most about my job and about ORU is primarily the flexibility. I love that ORU allows flex schedules and the ability to not only work like 410s or 980, but also the flexibility of just being able to make up your time and work with your manager and just as flexible as they can be. I love that ORU invests in their employees and the people of ORU. The people of ORU make the company what it is. And that is what makes me most proud to work here. I was actually so excited when I got the call and was offered the job. I had a quarter life crisis and decided I was gonna apply for jobs back home in Knoxville when I had moved to Dallas and originally for my first job. But as we all know, Dallas ain't in Tennessee and I wanted to come home. So I applied for the benefits coordinator role at ORU and was offered the job and we moved back home. So ORAU has impacted my career and my life from way back before I even started working for ORAU. My dad was actually an intern through the ORISE program and he was given an opportunity to pursue his undergrad degree while working at ORNL. That gave our family a great opportunity when he was laid off from Boeing after 9-11. Also, even previous to that, I actually found when my grandfather passed away a certificate where he had actually participated in a training at REACTS in 1999 or 1998. He was actually a health physicist by training and a retired lieutenant colonel in the Army. I actually have his certificate hanging up in MC100 now in my cubicle. But returning to ORU has come full circle and given me an opportunity to give back to an organization that has helped my family. Um, I also feel like ORU has impacted my career because they've invested in me by encouraging me and supporting me to obtain not only my master's degree, but to begin pursuing my doctorate degree. And so I just want to say thank you to everyone who has participated in my survey. It will help me with my data analysis section for sure. And I also have completed my certified benefits professional and I've started working on my certified compensation professional. So I just really owe a lot to ORU for investing in me. And to the workers of the future of ORU, I can say nothing but the best about the employees and the people at ORU. They are genuine. They care for their employees. They understand that you're more than just an employee, but you're a person with a personal life. And they encourage you to maintain a healthy work-life balance with the flexibility as much as possible, as long as business needs are met, of course. But ORU has provided not only financial stability to my family, but also a work family in itself. My ORU family is supportive and encourages me to be better and do better for myself and my community. So I would say to the future workers of ORU to believe in not only the program and the organization, but the people who make 
Oh, are you? Oh, are you? Laura, thank you for um, sitting down with me for this very special episode of Further Together, the ORU podcast. Um, for Thanksgiving, we are talking to employees across the organization about their volunteer work and why they support the organizations they support. But first, would you tell me who you are, um, where you work in the organization, and how long you've been with ORU? Sure. So I'm Laura Hammonds. Um, I work mostly with RCPE, the Resource Center for Performance, Excellen Performance Excellence, um, but also a little bit for RUPO, for our University Partnership Program. Um, I have been with ORIU for more than 15 years now, which is sort of amazing to me. Certainly the longest I've ever held a job before. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Well, um, I wanted to, to ask you, as I'm asking everybody, to talk about the organizations that you support and why, what you do for them and why you support them. Because sure. I know you do some, you do some high level work for, for several organizations. So I've been very fortunate. So I had a former teacher of mine. I grew up in Oak Ridge and um, ran into one of my former teachers who was serving on the school board. And he said, if you're bored in Oak Ridge, you're doing it wrong. There is so much that needs to be done. There's so many outlets um, in Oak Ridge for people to give their skills. Um, and at the time I had two little kids and I'm thinking, yeah. Um, but as as I've had more time free up, I have been very fortunate to be asked to do um, some things that sort of sit in my wheelhouse. So I've done a lot of facilitation and some strategic planning for some of the groups around town. Um, Flatwater Tales, which is an amazing annual storytelling event here that happens in June. Um, I've done some lessons learned and some retrospectives for them because they just sort of decided they could do this wonderful thing and they did, but they've wanted to get better at it every year. And I was like, oh. I have some tools for that. If you know, so if you want to, if you're interested, if you're interested and, and they were, and it just, it's such a wonderful, it, that event is such a wonderful event. It felt really special to be a, a even a little part of that. Um, and Oak Ridge is also not a very big town. So once people find out that you're willing to willing to come in and help them, it, you know, all of a sudden um, folks start calling. So I've also done a little bit of succession, strategic planning, succession planning for Men of Tomorrow, which is a wonderful organization um, for our for young people at the high school. It is not just um, not just males, but they um, actually it's open to anybody, but it was started more than 30 years ago, actually by Rebecca Crow's um, folks and some of some of their associates who recognized a need in those um, at that point in those young men who weren't athletic stars and weren't academic stars were kind of hitting that middle ground um, and maybe didn't have as much opportunity or didn't see all the opportunity that they had. So an amazing organization, been going for more than 30 years, but like with any organization, one of those issues that you can run into is sort of that succession planning. How does it keep going? So again, I I was able to do a couple of sessions with them and hopefully provide them um, some, some information about and some insight into what they were already thinking. I was just drawing out all of their expertise. They were the, the subject matter experts um, and just sort of getting it down on paper so they could go back and think about it. Done 
Oak Ridge Housing Authority. And one that, that I just did that is a one of the Oak Ridge treasures is the Children's Museum of Oak Ridge. Um, and we have we have employees who have served on their board. Mm -hmm. um, and continue to serve on their board. It yes. is an it's it's an amazing organization. Um, and again, their their executive director needed a little bit of help both with strategic stuff and then pulling out some core values. I it's one of my favorite things to to walk into a to an organization and know that they already sort of they know what they know and they know they know a lot of what they need to do. It's just a matter of making sure that that dialogue is flowing and that, that back and forth and those ideas are coming out. And it, it just um, certainly is not is not work um, when when I get the opportunity to do these things. So very fortunate. And 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 Coach D, my, my former teacher, was right. I mean, if you're if you're bored in Oak Ridge, you're not doing it right, because there are just so many amazing treasures in this in this town um, and helping them along is certainly just a really good use of time in my mind. That's awesome. And I know as a as a volunteer for several organizations myself, but kind of succession planning and strategic planning and you know vision casting and core values, you know the organization you're right, the organizations do know that. It's not always codified though, right? It's not right. always on paper where it's like this is what we believe in, you know. Right. Or <laughs> One or and two people can talk in detail all day and not everyone else may be on the same page, right? Well, that's the other thing is that often there, even when they perceive that there may not be alignment, often there is far more far, common ground than they believe that there is. And it's just a matter of starting the, you know, sort of starting the process. So yeah, my favorite thing is to grab my bag of post-its and dots and pens and, <laughs> and toys um, and, and, big you know easel paper and head off um so and and just help people have have these discussions and pull out what what they're already so good at um so just a you know it, it always feels like that time is sort of multiplied the the good that that does when all those folks come together just sort of ripples out from there for sure well as someone who has participated in those sessions with you here at work. I love when I see the big bag with the posters <laughs> and the dots and the well, thank you. <laughs> the paper. Because it's it's fun, you know, it's fun for sure, mm -hmm. but it's also important to get everyone on the same page and give everyone the opportunity to speak to where they are. Mm -hmm. Um and as you said, you know, there's generally more alignment than there's not. And we don't always know that until we no. know it. <laughs> and once you get it on paper, you can work with it. That's so. right. Absolutely. So, well, you may get more calls because we've had this conversation. <laughs> well, I will also say that ORU supports many of the organizations that I mentioned. And, um, and while I do this my own time and all of that, I always feel like ORU has been so supportive of me doing this professionally and sort of honing these skills. And it's nice to go out and practice them so I can bring, also bring some of that that I learned back in. So it is certainly a symbiotic relationship. I think Andy mentioned, you know, the perception of ORU in the community and how important that is. And Absolutely. I think you are such a, a, an amazing ambassador. We have such amazing ambassadors and to be a little piece of that um, also 
it also makes me feel good that I can, people know that I work for ORU. It's not the affiliation I use when I go out to do this work, but they know that. And, and so if I can be sort of a face for ORU, you know, this company that I, that I love, um, right. that's just an added bonus as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, it's a great thing, a great feeling to be, as you said, be an ambassador for the company, serving the community and know that the company supports your efforts. You know, yes, we do it on our own time for sure, but it's supported and yeah. really encouraged. I mean, we are encouraged to do this work. Well, and to go out and, and for folks to know, oh, oh, you work for ORU, what a cool company, you know, right, and right. also very affirming because, and that is typically the reaction you get when you mention your affiliation. So um, also very affirming to hear that. Absolutely. Well, Laura, thank you so much for spending mm -hmm. this time with me and have a happy Thanksgiving. The same to you. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Hi, this is Patsy Pearson, and I'm the Director of Financial Operations. And what I like most about working at ORU, it's a great work environment. ORU is known in the community, so that brings a sense of community and also a sense of accomplishment. One of my proudest moments at working at um, ORU was when we received approval for about 13 years of past indirect rate approvals. And how has working at ORU impacted my career or my life? Well, obviously, it's kept me employed in a stable, well-grounded, and well-respected organization. And what I would say to the ORU workers of the future, I would say, look at ORU for the long term. Don't let an immediate problem get you down. We're all family. We all work together. And in the long term, we can get through anything. ORU is a great place to work. Chad Becker, welcome to this special episode of Further Together, the ORU podcast, our Thanksgiving edition, where we are celebrating the community service work that our employees do. Um, Chad, I know you have a heart for the people of Haiti. How did that come about and how did you get involved? Okay, so back in 2010, they had a pretty substantial earthquake. Most people have heard about. There's records of it being um, killing up to 300,000 people. Uh, of course, there's not accurate records because it's not like they go in and report it, you know, to a city you know, authority. Um, but the devastation there was pretty substantial. I mean, you've got a third world country that's just been absolutely devastated. Very little resources. Outbreaks of cholera as a result. A lot of health issues. Um, very little aid coming in and what aid was coming in was was uh, kind of centered around Port-au-Prince and some somewhat um, tainted by the government officials there. So mm -hmm. the areas that I, I started going to, I started going on, on mission trips. I've been I, I, I've lost count. I've been to on at least 25 there. Uh, we go up in the mountain areas. It's about three hours outside of Port-au-Prince. It's an area that doesn't typically get a lot of aid or resources. Okay. Um, but when I went there and saw um, the devastation in the country and then also seeing how the people were just so grateful for every little thing. I mean, they, they've they got such giving and kind hearts, so much joy, and they don't let they didn't let this circumstance or their everyday circumstances struggling just to get food, water, shelter. 
um, keep them from having joy and wanting to give what they have to others. I mean, they give the best of what they have, which is next to nothing right. um, to whoever comes up. I mean, you'd walk up to someone's lean to and they're offering you their dinner, which is their only meal of the day and they don't even have enough to feed their family. Um, so just, just seeing that wanting me to do more and you just feel kind of overwhelmed. You don't know where to start because right. it's like, what do you do? I mean, you want to do fix it and you don't know how to fix it. So I kind of developed this mindset of, you know, helping one child, one family, one community at a time. And so I started doing house build projects and then I partnered with uh, Medic Samaritan at the time, <clears throat> which was formed by um, a friend of mine that's a paramedic with Lifestar. And they were centered around doing medical care in the area and doing nursing programs. There's a, a really good nursing school in Haiti. So they were putting someone through nursing school to help with medical care. So I partnered with them, started doing house builds, and then it grew. We started doing, putting in water wells. Um, started doing um, some community care programs, emergency disaster relief, because uh, Haiti gets hit by tropical storms and hurricanes frequently. I mean, it's right in the path. I mean, you can imagine the devastation we see with our sounds, you know, buildings that we've got built. Can you imagine doing that in a, in a lean-to, um, right. you know, just having to endure that? Um, so it, it, it grew and evolved. Um, we had a spinoff of that, what was called Seed International, where we kind of did uh, micro loans that did business training. Um, we've, we've merged back into one entity. So now Medic Samaritan is Seed International. Um, so we still do all the same things we did. We do business training as a part of that. Uh, we've got what, what's called a widow care or, or community care program where we feed these families who do not have you know, a source of income. Um, we've got uh, a nurse and doctor that's gone through the program. So they do medical care programs in the community. Um, so it's just something that even though it's hard to get there right now because of all the issues in the country, which you probably have heard about the assassination of the president, you're probably hearing about gang violence, um, which is very unfortunate because it does make it pretty unsafe to fly into the city. The areas we serve is absolutely safe, but just getting to and from there is the, the issue. But we're still very active there. We've got a, a Samuel Dumont who lives there. Um, he's our Haiti um, director. Um, he's still help, very much helping us out and taking care of the people in the communities up there, the resources we send him. So we're still very, very active. That's It's just incredible, the work that you do. And I know you hold several fundraisers every year um, to get people in the community involved. Um, I would like to ask you if you are amenable to sharing. Um, I know that you have a daughter from Haiti. Whom you adopted? Um, we tell that story. I I love this story. Um, if if you're up to it, if you wouldn't mind to share the story of how that came to be. Well, I'm gonna try because every time I tell it, I seem to I seem to tear up. Um, and and some people, I mean, you know, God speaks to everybody in different ways. And, Absolutely. <clears throat> so and here I already started. <laughs> <laughs> So she'll actually be here um, 10 years, um, November 13th, which uh, um, she has been an absolute joy and blessing to us. But um, my wife and children, I've got a, a son and daughter, and um, and they were very much wanting to adopt um, just in general. And I was very much against it. I was like, I got a boy. I got a girl. I'm good. I've got enough going on in my life. I'm a little too busy. 
And they kept, they kept, uh, you know, saying, oh, we need to do this. We need to help some other child out there, which that shows the heart of my, my family, you know. Um, and my wife had actually read this book, um, Crazy Love by Francis Chan. Mm-hmm. And it really motivated her to, and I'd done the study with her too. It's a great book if you haven't read it, but um, just really motivated her even harder to want to adopt and, and open our home up to a child. And at about the same time, the earthquake had happened and I wasn't able to go on the first mission trip our church had gone on and my best friend had gone and he, uh, he felt led to adopt this girl that was there in this orphanage they visited. And so he came back and told us and asked us if we'd be godparents. And um, I said, well, this is great. We'll love on this child. This will be, you know, we'll love through proxy with this one. And right. they were saying, no, 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 we need to adopt too. And I was like, no, 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 we don't. <laughs> so, um, so one night I had this dream of this little Haitian girl um, taking my face in her hands and saying, take me home. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> and the next morning or that, that very same morning we went to church and the, the pastor was talking about changing the world. And he said, what do you have room for in your heart this year? You didn't last year and started specifically talking about Haiti. So then I go to my friend who had just gotten back from a second trip to Haiti we were doing a small group study with them and he was showing pictures and one of the girls in the picture was a girl I felt like was in my dream. Um, wow. I saw her and I was like, I knew her. And so <laughs> me and my <laughs> wife were walking home, you know, cause we lived right up the street. So we're walking home and, um, and I tell her, I said, I think God's pounding me on the head saying we need to adopt this girl from Haiti. And Right after I said that, we ran the corner and there's a double rainbow. And I was like, okay, God, I get it. I get it. I, I, I get it. You know, so we started the process, hadn't even met her yet. And then when we did meet her, she was like a perfect fit um, for our family. And she's been an absolute joy um, for us. So, awesome. Pretty personal that? story, but that's yeah. awesome. <laughs> <laughs> But it also is, is indicative of the heart that you have for for Haiti that it's it's not just something you do I mean it's clearly you've <laughs> you have welcomed Haiti into your home and your heart so um that, I, I truly feel like their family you know I've got family there is what it feels like because right. I feel that connection awesome <clears throat> well, Chad thank you for sharing if people wanted to get involved in Medic Samaritan Seed International how would they do that um, so you can go to Seed International's webpage. It's seedint.org. Um, we do still have a lot of needs. I don't know if you're aware, but right now they have no gas. So that means they've got no medical care. They've got no way to purify water. Um, there's a huge outbreak of cholera right now, a lot of gang violence. Um, one thing you can do is if, you talk, if you've got any connections in the government, you know, they're asking for any kind of security help um, to get the gangs under control. Um, actually one of our security personnel that, that we would hire when we went there, he was a, a police officer, got shot and killed by gang members recently. And uh, so, um, but we still, we still have a lot of financial needs because we're still trying to provide for a community that can't get to the resources. And of course, costs have gone up gas, even before it was unavailable was $30 a gallon. When you got people who are living on $400 a year, it's pretty substantial. So um, but if you want to go to seedint.org, 
and you can support a family. You can help us with our water well programs, which will help because we, there is a massive outbreak of cholera right now because they can't get clean water. Mm. Um, you can help us with our medical care programs that we have and we provide for, but um, every dollar helps. We don't have any paid staff except for Samuel who lives in Haiti. We pay him to take care of the community, but all of us are volunteers. So anything you do goes 100% to, to what we do there in Haiti. Awesome. Chad, thank you so much for sharing um, about Seed International, but also about your your personal story. I really appreciate it. Um, well, thank you for the opportunity. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Thank you, you as well. Leah Justice, thank you for joining this special episode of Further Together, the ORU podcast, where we are talking to employees about their service to the community and why we do the service work that we do. First, though, if you will tell me who you are, where you work in the organization, and how long you've been with ORU or ORISE, as the case may be. Yeah, so that's a great segue there. Yeah, this is Leah Justice, and I have been with ORU since the end of 2019, uh, December of 2019. So coming up on my three-year anniversary, hard to believe, but uh, having a pandemic in the middle of that sure, certainly speeds things along. <laughs> um, and I work uh, on the ORISE contract. I'm a senior manager in our STEM workforce development group, and I oversee the work we do at the national labs as well as um, with our K-12 team. Excellent. Um, so we're talking about our service to the community and wanted to ask you specifically about um, an organization, some of the organizations that you serve and why, why you have a heart and a passion for the work that you do as a volunteer. Well, I think starting with, you know, the belief that to whom much is given, much is expected. And that has driven a lot of you know, the direction I try to live my life over the years, because I do feel pretty strongly that we've all benefited from something somewhere down the line. And, and it is our responsibility to pay that forward. Um, when you become a parent, you start thinking about the examples that you want to set for your kids and, Absolutely. you know, teaching them how to help others and living by example, all those things factor in. But then um, I've been fortunate to work for companies over the year that really value community service and community engagement. Um, and it's a win-win for everyone. Right. I think it's an important part of establishing um, yourself and your personal beliefs and the things that you feel passionately about. Um, and then corporately, you know, there is definitely a, a recognition of the value it puts for the organization, too. Right. Absolutely. So when you find that sweet spot of something that you feel really strongly about um, and I over the years have been probably involved in more boards than I could care to count at one time. And you start <laughs> thinking like, OK, well, how much of my time can I carve out what's important um, education has always sort of been there at that. And I've been fortunate to serve on the Oak Ridge Public Schools Education Foundation and the Roan State Foundation okay. for a, a number of years. Um, I immediately was the past chair of the Roan State Foundation Board and trying to find opportunities to help students succeed is so important, right? And it's, we've been given opportunities ourselves. Not every student has. And I'd say, especially with Roan State, where you've got either first-generation college students or non-traditional students mm -hmm. who are working parents, grandparents, trying to further their education, right? So when you can really try to do something to help a school and the students improve those opportunities, how do you say no to that? Right, right. And it feeds into what we do as an organization in terms of 
you know, wanting to expand the STEM workforce and getting that spark lit in the hearts of young people earlier and earlier to be interested in the sciences and education in general. So um, on the one hand, it's an offshoot of that, but obviously it's a it's a passion for you beyond what you do for the for the organization on a daily basis. Yeah, I think, um, you know, just seeing students in need, whatever it may be. And if, you know, nobody wants to see a hungry kid, right? So if you're getting involved with Second Harvest because you want to help their backpack for kids programs. um, I think about my daughter's first day of kindergarten. You know, all the parents have the emotion when their kids are going to school for the first time and you're nervous and excited. And we got there that day and there was a little boy that just kind of came walking into her classroom on his own by himself. And he didn't know where to go and um, what bus ride. And the teacher's assistant recognized and knew he had an older sibling. And for whatever reason, he didn't have a big person with him that day. He was on his first day at kindergarten. And that broke my heart. Here, you know, we're having all the first day moments that you have with your five or six-year-old child. And then you see these kids who were already on their own, literally on their first day of school. Right. And who's going to help support kids like that going forward? You know, and who knows what the circumstances were, right? Absolutely. It triggers that to think we've got to help all the kids, not just the ones that have some ability within their own families and resources, but everyone needs a shot. Right. Absolutely. And it's great that we can partner with and that you can partner with as an individual organizations that give that shot to other kids, other students. Um, And I love what you said about, you know, non-traditional students, parents and grandparents who want to get a leg up in the world and are, you know, going to school, maybe for the first time as a grandparent or as a parent, right? That's right. Um, And they're still having to put gas in the car and food on the table and pay their bills and try to go to school and raise a child grandchild. Yeah. There's a whole different set of challenges that come with being a student at that point of life rather than 18, 19, 20. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Leah, if people who are listening wanted to help, what could they do? Ask. Find the entity. They will welcome, I don't know, an agency, um, an organization in this area that is not looking for volunteers. And I think that's in the Oak Ridge Knoxville community. I mean, we're the volunteers for a reason, right? We've earned that that title. Um, There are so many opportunities that, again, just finding your passion and what matters the most. Find it. Find out from your coworker, your friend, what are, what are they involved in? You know, can I come with you to do something? Um, here at ORU, you know, we have a lot of opportunities with our K twelve team to go out into schools at STEM nights um, and do fun hands on activities with our kids in, in the local schools. Join us for one of those. You know, see if that's something that kind of gets you sparked. Schools need volunteers all all the time. All the time. You know, all of our nonprofit agencies. You know, if you're donating to United Way, do you understand what those agencies do throughout all of East Tennessee? Community shares. I mean, they are providing huge services. Um, and if you ever want to know where your dollars are going, go visit one of them. And you probably Absolutely. will sign up to volunteer before you can get back out the door. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I was meeting with an organization yesterday um, in Knoxville. And yeah, it was a it was a lunch meeting. And before we left, I was like, so I can call these people and try to make this happen and do the, you know, you just start 
you want to be a matchmaker. When you see the need, you want to start putting the the, the pieces together to help out wherever you can. And yeah. Absolutely. And the need is great. And if you have connections or you have a heart or the time, there is so much that can be done. Absolutely. So, well, Leah, thank you so much for sharing your heart um, with me for a few minutes and talking about the volunteer work that you do. And hopefully we'll spark some folks to get involved. We hope so. It's always good to talk with you, Michael. Always good to talk to you too. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanks. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Further Together, the ORAU podcast. To learn more about any of the topics discussed by our experts, visit www.orau.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn at ORAU and on Instagram at ORAU Together. If you like Further Together, the ORAU podcast, we would appreciate you giving us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your reviews will help more people find the podcast.